0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: This is the Runner's World Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 12
2: of the Runner's World Podcast. Each month we will be bringing you the latest training advice, news, and interviews from across the running world. I'm Rick Pearson, the Runners World section editor, and I'm here with Ben Hobson, the digital editor. Ben, tell us what we've got coming up this month.
1: Wow, this month we've got Susie Chan coming in to talk to us about her journey from non-runner to ultra-running queen. We'll be talking marathon training with Tom Craggs from Running With Us, and RW's Kerry McCarthy will be offering some advice on how to plan the perfect running year. Oh, Ben, what have you been up to this month? I've started training... Yeah. For a fifteen mile trail race at the end of March. Oh, this is the Orion thing. Orion fifteen. Nice. I didn't have anything planned this year and I was looking at the interweb and was just like having a having a peruse and um yeah, I'm I'm sort of I'm quite local to Epping and then we're moving house quite soon and I'll be even closer to Epping. So this will be my local patch. Laid out so, a marker. Right? Yeah. Stake my claim. Stake your claim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By finishing in the, the bottom end of the field, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks really fun. Cool. Fifteen, 15 miles. Fifteen yeah. miles of mud. Never run fifteen miles. So yeah, like a, like I like the, the the weird distance. Yeah. Guaranteed PB. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I <laughs> hadn't <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Good. Great training's easing off. <laughs> what about you, Rick? What well, you I've doing? been in a weird distance as well because I just did the um,
2: country to capital forty-five. Okay. Uh, so for those unfamiliar with that race, it's a 45-mile ultra marathon from Wendover in Buckinghamshire to Little Venice in West London. And it's half trail. So the first half is these is, is great trails partly on the Ridgeway, mm-hmm. Britain's oldest road. And then the second wow. half is a little bit less inspiring because it's on the Grand Union Canal.
1: Mm, shopping trolleys and beer cans? Yeah, a lot of fly
2: tipping, actually. Oh, it was that's quite it was a, Yeah, it was a shame, real shame. But I mean, yeah, really well organised and a really good field, actually. I think mean, the top... Top 20, all very competitive runners, um, quite a few sort of national Did standard you creep runners. in? Creep no, no. I don't think we got into the top, no. top <laughs> half, actually. Oh, mate, I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, it was good. I haven't done um, an ultra for ages, actually. But this year, 2019, is going to be the year of the ultra for me because I've done that one. Then we're going to do the Escape from Great Britain. Oh, yeah, and you've signed me up for this, haven't you? So this is us trying to escape from the centre of Great Britain in okay. 48 hours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the North Downs Way 100 in, in August. So it's going to oh, be right. a year of long running for me. But... Yeah. And you've got an injury. I have got an injury. I've got, um, it's. I think it's referential pain, I think you call it in oh, the in industry. So you're not quite
1: sure where it's coming from? Well,
2: like, it feels like I've got a hamstring strain, but I went to a chiropractor and he said, this is actually coming from your back. So got I, it. So I need to do lots of back stretching. I actually need to do not a lot of running, so... Good do an ultra then. <laughs> yeah. Well done. What you need, so, is 45 miles of uh, ultra running. Uh, yeah, so I need to just take it easy. So I've been, I've been going in the gym and getting, well, getting, I didn't getting, want, getting
1: swole. I didn't want to bring it up, but you're looking massive.
2: Yeah, I barely fit in this studio now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> this is the Runner's World Podcast. So six years ago, at the age of 35, Susie Chan was a completely inactive smoker who could barely run for the bus. Uh, today she's a seasoned ultramarathoner and social media star with a seriously impressive running CV. So Susie, welcome to the Runners World well Podcast.
3: Hello. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's
2: great to have you on. Um, so as I mentioned in the intro, you came to um, running in your mid-30s. What was the kind of initial impetus for going out on a run? Why did you want to get into it?
3: I was in a bit of a, a life rut. I was, um, I was a single mum. I was a bit miserable. I had a really hideous, dull job that I didn't like. <laughs> and I just I just needed to do something for myself. And I didn't actually know what it was. Um, And then my younger brother wanted to do a marathon. It was a sort of bucket list tick, you know, one off. Mm, And as part of his training, he coerced me, I think is the the appropriate (laughs) word, into doing a local half marathon with him. Um, And I thought, you know, what? maybe this is what I need. And so I signed up and knew nothing about running. Um, And I can remember uh, my first run, I was trying to run around two football pitches. Um, without stopping, um, oh, I didn't make it. <laughs> um, anyway, to cut, a, to cut a sort of long story short, I did about, I don't know, maybe, f- I can't remember actually, it felt like forever, but I, I got up to, I think about nine, nine and a half miles um, running up and down the road yeah. to Tesco's and back. Mm. Um, I thought I was ready for this half marathon. And then uh, on the actual day of the half marathon, I was not, I was, I was very hungover. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. Um, and he came on the door, my house, banged on the door and dragged me out to start this half yeah. marathon. And I can remember standing there being petrified because everybody looks like they know what they're doing. Yeah. I found out it was something called a trail half marathon. <laughs> I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, what's the trail? Why am I stood in this field? Where's the road? Um, and I was stood there um, in my underwire bra and my gym shoes because I didn't have proper training shoes yeah. and uh, with not much time. And then it started. And I started yeah. running up and down these <laughs> like hills over stiles and through the woods and uh, thinking I was dying, actually. Um, and I got about nine miles in, which is actually as far as I'd, I'd gone in training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I just realised I was going to do it. I realised that actually I could keep... Keep running, mm. and so I kept running, ditched my brother <laughs> 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 the last two miles because so I felt I just suddenly felt really good um, and then when I crossed the line, it was it was an absolute feeling of euphoria, and i couldn 't believe i 'd run thirteen miles i just couldn 't believe it, and yeah. it was really was the start of it for me. Um, I wanted you know I wanted that feeling again, and so I started um, running I started doing uh, 10ks um, and I think at some point I um, joined a running club, which was a real game changer for me because it was a very I'm very lucky to have a very welcoming running club, mm. very inclusive, um, very encouraging yeah. um, and then I, I did my first marathon, which as we all know everybody's first marathon is a tough thing to do yeah. um, and then you say you're never going to do it ever again, um, and that's it, and then you sign up for another one the next day <laughs> um, and then I just kind of it, just it just snowballed and it snowballed very quickly for me mm. so from that very first race to um running sort of an ultramarathon was was quite a swift journey i, yeah, I kind yeah. of just went head first.
2: I, I read um in a blog that you wrote uh a couple of weeks ago you said that before you started running you didn't have much confidence in yourself and do you think that by running and by achieving um these great distances that you actually you gained confidence and kind of a sense of like who you are
3: absolutely absolutely it is I it's really hard to try and talk about this without um sounding uh, cheesy uh, mm. but it it genuinely genuinely has changed my life and if you told me if you told me as the lady I wasn't in my 20s mm. that i would be doing this now I would not believe you because I can remember watching uh, London Marathon yeah. um you know in my 20s and early 30s watching the sun on on, on that sort of sunday morning thinking what are these people doing? You know, but but in awe, I'm thinking oh, I'd love to run a marathon one day. But it is you no, know, it is a really really long way, and I never thought I can remember chatting to somebody I worked with who had done it, and he could, he was you know, came in with his medal and sore <laughs> legs, thinking what 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 is it? You know, I'm fascinated, but hmm. thinking it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it really has changed my life, and in in many ways, and it's given me uh, so much confidence. I had no self confidence. I was um, I just I wasn't sort of very happy within myself. And um, I I used to have a sort of crippling anxiety about speaking out loud, right. um, and for some reason I can talk about running in front of I don't know, any number of people now without any problems at all because <laughs> <laughs> there's no sort of right or wrong, is there? Really? No. no. Um, and it just it's really it's really really changed me. And it's maybe you know on a personal level it's maybe um, realise what is possible if you put your mind to it, yeah. which um, is quite, you know, good for the soul. Absolutely, absolutely. In terms of,
1: as you say, putting your mind to a task and the fact that we are in the start of a new year, um... What New Year's resolutions? Do you are you a, are you a maker of them? Do you think that people make mistakes when they set themselves up for these sorts of things? Yeah,
3: I used to do these actually, right. um, but they uh, they weren't really fitness ones. They were mainly sort of based around eating less cheese and things like that. You know, it's so mostly food-based. Yeah, my and trying to sort of be a better person. Like, I'm going to definitely recycle more. So all my resolutions <laughs> in the past have been framed around lifestyle, mm. less about exercise. I think probably because it's always I'm talking about myself in the last, you know, 5 or 6 years. Yeah. It has always been something which I've continually done. Um yeah. so I don't personally set myself um New Year's resolutions. And I know lots of people do. You know, obviously it's very busy at the gym now in <laughs> January. Yeah. Um park runs mobbed. It's yeah. great. I love it. I absolutely love it. But um it is I think sometimes people can set themselves up for for not for failure but just you know you can you can put a lot of pressure on yourself yeah. at yeah. this time of year. There's lots of um you know, I've got had so many adverts for uh you know, social media for signing up for this and yeah. this sort of diet and to and, and do these sorts of challenges and um I think it's it's much better to have a long term view.
1: Yeah, as we were yeah. saying, yeah, so I agree, I think yeah, I, agree. I think perhaps like a not necessarily the whole year maybe. If you think by the end of January I want to have achieved this, yeah. Scalable
3: Exactly. That's little goals, little steps. And I think sometimes people can, I mean, it's just a human thing and it's something I'm very guilty of, can kind of dwell on the things you've not managed to do. So sometimes you're like, it's raining, (laughs) it's cold, (laughs) I'm tired. (laughs) I don't actually want to feel like going out, you know, and then if you don't, then you kind of beat yourself up and you think, well, that's that New Year's resolution (laughs) down the pan and then you don't bother, you know, but it's actually, it's okay to miss a day. It's okay to, to, to be too tired for a day and just to not worry about it. And and just focus on the next day you can make it out and uh, and to make sure that you acknowledge those um, achievements. Mm. Um, you know, so if you are starting running for the first time, uh, you know, um, it's quite good to, to track how far you've gone, you know, whether it's, you know, you make it to like the second lamppost or third lamppost yeah. and just acknowledge when you have um, gone that little bit further or that, you know, a little bit faster, whatever it is your, your goal is. And um, I think, you know, making sure that you do, you do sort of applaud yourself for those and not be too hard on yourself at all for when you can't be bothered because let's be honest there's not a single runner out there who has days where they <laughs> cannot be bothered yeah
2: 100 percent. i'll hold my hand up to that um you're also very vocal online season i wondered why did you want to promote your your running on on social media what was it about that platform that appealed to you
3: do you know what that was uh, genuinely people have asked me well i know uh, what, what what you know what has been your strategy and it uh, mm. literally making it up <laughs> as i'm going along it, honestly the gospel truth i joined um i think the first so i was not into i, I literally wasn't into social media at all i didn't yeah. have a facebook account back when everybody did um and uh, i genuinely joined it quite wide-eyed and innocent cuz i literally didn't know like what well a trail run was what trainers should yeah. I be wearing you know all, all of those questions which I see people asking actually especially this time of year all those sort of newbie questions yeah. I knew nothing about running but, and I uh, joined Twitter just to I don't know just to see what it was all about and then swiftly from there fell into the sort of the running community online um and then again following on on Instagram and for me when it started out it was mainly a huge learning curve yeah. um from other people and it's a really supportive community and I learned so much and I asked some really dumb questions on reflection (laughs) you know i just don't you just don't know do you You just don't know so it was so um encouraging i would say and and then it it, it quite quickly got to um the point where i was i was sort of just (laughs) bumbling my way around up to ultra marathons and i did a couple of really big races i didn't know what i was doing as per usual um and i was i was just chronicling it really and then people kind of got on board um and then as the races got longer and um more challenging um it became more of a documentation of what it is I was doing and yeah. um, and I'm always really really happy to chat to people mm. um any level mm. of any experience um through social media about everything running really
1: yeah yeah do you feel um Do you feel duty bound to it at all?
3: A little bit more now, if I'm honest, I think because it's turned. It it, it was, um, it was kind of. I was feeding from it, you know. I was kind of learning about from everybody around me, and to um, a very large extent, I still do. There's still people out there which are just, you know, I mean, there's always somebody running that's doing more extraordinary, (laughs) absolutely, you know, fascinating, you know, faster, more fascinating, more interesting um, out there, Mm. Um, and so in a way, I am. But um, uh, now. there's a little bit of, of, of pressure, I would say. You know, you've got to, you know, I, 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 I'm I always running. I always am. But, you know, I will, and you know, I'll be honest with you, I do deviate my run routes a little bit sometimes to get a more interesting backdrop for Instagram. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. It's taken
1: me to yeah, some well, really yeah. I mean, interesting yeah,
3: places. You've yeah,
1: discovered more picturesque areas.
3: <laughs> Genuinely, right. I will go on a new trail route because I think there might be something nice to see there. And I have seen a lot of, of the world. Actually, I was talking about it on the way here. I ran to this podcast just because I used to run commute into a... To try and squeeze uh, the running in around Mm -hmm. my working day, and I, um, rather than sort run directly to work from the railway station, I decided to run a different route in every single day. (laughs) And so I drew this. I ended up with this sort of map of London, where, uh, and then in the end, I'd be going down little streets which I'd I'd never even knew existed, and um, it was a really, really good way to to see, you know, to see somewhere.
2: We um, we talked on the last podcast about um, in the current issue run as well. There's someone who's who's written a piece about their favourite trail. And they were kind of saying goodbye to a town, and the goodbye that was actually hardest was actually to say goodbye to oh. their most loved running oh, this route. This is hitting
3: a nerve. So you're you're based in
2: Farnham, right? Yes. Start, start of the North Downs Way. Yes. Would that be your favourite trail? Is there a, a trail that sticks out in your mind as one that's like this is home?
3: Or? Oh, Rick, you know, you've hit you really hit nerve because I have literally just moved. I I I'm lived like, oh, I, I go, lived. Rick? Oh, don't Rick. <laughs> I I I lived it was a mile from the start of the North Downs Way. Right. Um, and I have to be very honest with you. I have a love hate with the North Downs Way yeah. because, I mean, I love it. It's home, mm. but genuinely, um, I got to the point when I was doing some ultramarathon training where I was going <laughs> up and down the North Downs Way so much <laughs> yeah. that I was uh, not sick of it. But you know, it was just like a muddy puddle very, after muddy. Very familiar. Over familiar. <laughs> right. Really. I mean, I literally got to the point where I knew sticks on the floor. <laughs> um, but you know, it's. It, it's a beautiful trail it is a beautiful trail but I would say the, the favourite um, and I'm actually not moving that far I'm being very dramatic I'm moving <laughs> next door <laughs> six miles up the road um, but the place which um, I really really do love running and I was running there this weekend and, and I can remember in my head thinking you know, I'm, I've run a lot of amazing places in the world and this place is beautiful and it's a place um, called Frencham um, at French and Ponds, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah Ponds, it's, yeah. it's absolutely lovely. And actually, it's equidistant between my old house and my new house. So, okay, yeah. I shall, I shall, um, so running, so running there in particular is very beautiful. And, and all the trails that lead up to and around there are yeah. very beautiful. And if anybody ever comes running with me, um, so people do, you know, I meet people and I, they, I invite them down to, yeah. to Farnham in Surrey to go running. Uh, French and Ponds is always the destination. Yeah. It's very photogenic. You swim running
1: and in swimming. Oh, God, you started on swimming now. You weren't here at the end of Okay. It. But on your question <laughs> oh. um <clears throat> i i kind of feel like we should do a quick fire round please right because susie's done so many of these different races i like it okay yeah and all these different stuff so i feel like instead okay. of pondering too quickly oh no yeah we, okay it can be like demand immediately your favorite race so if, oh, I, if I go God.
3: okay favorite trail race oh t- oh i don't know trail race <laughs> Um, I would say probably Pilgrims. So there's a few Pilgrims races. There's a half, which is my very, very first ever race. So I have fond memories of that race. Um, and then there's actually an ultra marathon. And of course, it's on the North Downs way. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite marathon? Uh, Boston. No. I mean, it's just, uh, I'm sorry. I know London is lovely. I really, I feel, I feel bad. Um, but Boston, it's uh, something else. It's the oldest marathon in the world. It's You, you have to earn your place there. And there's something absolutely unifying with your community, your run community, standing on the start line of Boston. Honestly, it's really, really exceptional race.
2: The be- medal you're most proud of? Uh, uh,
3: probably my first marathon, this Saab medal, because it, it. I thought it would be the end, and it was just the beginning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the best race you've run,
3: your performance? Um, I th- My best races actually tend to be by accident. Um, I think... It, it depends on how you judge performance. If you're going by speed, then it's a very uh bog standard ten miler called Lord's Hill, which I think I did in I did in one hour and eight minutes, which for me is quite, yeah, quite punchy. In, yeah. Um but I think probably my second ever hundred miler uh, buckle um because I I did it in at the time. It was it was textbook exactly right on paper. Emotionally I had a breakdown at some point <laughs> in the middle. But you wouldn't be able to tell by the time. No. And the worst? Oh god. Gosh, I mean, in what sense? Like clawing at the floor. Oh, yeah. So Jungle Ultra. I know. Right. Poor, I, the, the people who run this race, they, I always go, oh, tell you, that one was tough. It was, I, I had underestimated it enormously. Um, and it was the toughest thing. So it was um, 250 kilometres through the um, Amazon rainforest, sleeping in the rainforest. And I just got, I almost I've got wet on day one, including my food mm. and my sleeping bag. Mm. And I was just soggy. Um, I don't like the jungle. I don't like bugs. Um, it, it was I don't like elevation. I was just literally sliding around <laughs> in the mud, getting bitten by ants for a week. Um, it it broke me that race, and I actually it was the only time ever in a race, I was like. I'm done. I want to. I want to. I want to stop. And you know, I want to hand my number in to somebody because I just couldn't hack it anymore. Yeah. And And uh, I was but in the jungle. Didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. Only because there was no one there. Right. There was literally <laughs> no one there. The, the next time I was going to see another human being was at the finish line, so I had to keep going. Uh oh. You know, I, it was that or lay down. Maybe dying. they did
1: that on purpose. I think they do. Right. <laughs> it
3: was a toughie.
2: There I want to ask go. you about your um, 24-hour track race. Oh yeah. Because I think for, of all the kind of sub-genres of yeah. ultra running, for me, it's it's the the most. Nuts. Yeah. Kind of round the track. Mm. Terrible weather, wasn't it? Oh. Tooting Beck track.
3: Gorgeous. Gorgeous
2: <laughs> what? location. Why on, why on earth did you want to do it and what was it like?
3: Do you know what? I, I, I just got a... So it was a 24-hour race, just to explain it to people. It starts at midday and finishes at midday. And you basically run around a 400-metre track for 24 hours. Um And it's terribly exciting every four hours because you get to change direction. Yeah. yeah. So lots, lots to look forward to there. Clockwise. Yeah. Woo! And clockwise. <laughs> and you get to see faces for one lap. Um Why did I want to do it? Because... um, don't know. It's really hard to articulate. It's just, it's like a scratch I wanted to itch. If you're going to ultra running and uh, somebody said to me it is the purest form of ultra running mm. because it's not about the beautiful scenery mm. Tooting Beck's lovely, but it's not about the beautiful scenery because, you know, one lap you've seen it. You've seen yeah. the scenery. Yeah. Uh, it's just about you moving um, you know moving and running along and your head basically it's it was a real it's a test of um mental stamina and for me that's that in particular i find interesting and that's why i wanted to do it um and it was it rained for <laughs> for 23 of the 24 hours and um and i think soul destroying at points um but blissful in others it, it was an absolutely extraordinary race. Did you find it sort of transcendent? A, a little, I yeah, did. I yeah. kind of went um, completely numb mm-hmm. um, with everything and very focused. And I had uh, the only words I can describe the last uh, 40 minutes are euphoric. Hmm. Oh. I mean, I was in a world of pain, yeah. but um, I was absolutely euphoric. I had a couple of—I was just wanted to stop. I was so cold; everything had got wet. I hadn't bought enough enough kit, and everything had soaked through and soaked through. And then um, I was running around. I had a particular goal in mind, which I was didn't look like I was going to reach it. Um, and then somebody was watching me running very slowly around um, this track, and they literally gave me their clothes.
4: Um, oh, wow. So
3: <laughs> literally, I got undressed and said, you look so cold. And they gave me their clothes and I put them on. And then that was a catalyst to me uh, running fast. And then I started, uh, I did some maths and I worked. I was running for a place. I was running for a sort of podium place. And yeah. uh, I put the hammer down. And yeah. then as I was running faster and faster, people started really cheering. <laughs> and it just kind of snowballed into a fantastic last uh, 800 metres. Amazing. <laughs> I, I, w- I want to do it Honestly. I definitely do not want to do it. Rick, I'll crew <laughs> you. It's, it's, unvel- it's, it's astonishing. It, it yes. is, it is, it's very surreal um, and very pure, mm. very pure. Um, so,
1: um, as I have you here, I'm going to, I'm going to take some advice, mm. try and get some advice because this man next to me has signed me up to do uh, this, this escape, what's it called? Escape, escape from Great Britain.
5: <gasps> what is that?
1: We have 48 hours to get as far away from the, the centre of Great Britain. Like as
3: possible. a jailbreak kind of exactly, race. Exactly,
1: exactly. Mm. Yeah. So...
2: We, we have to run, yeah,
3: obviously. Yeah, hours. yeah, yeah as much as you can, yeah. So, <laughs> so, that's vague. <laughs> yeah. So if you do if
1: you do a hundred miles in, in the in the forty eight hours <clears> you, <throat> you can
3: get to Glasgow. Yeah. Is that in a straight line though? As the crow flies.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I I would suggest as, as a man yeah. who's never done anything of this ilk <clears throat> what do you what in terms of uh, how do I approach this? What, what do I do? Do I just.
3: So are you aiming for 100 miles? Is that your. No, Rick, what are we doing?
1: Well, I think it would be. You've uh, got a, to, really. It would yeah? Could be done. Two days, 50 miles. A-
3: I mean. Oh, okay, yeah. That's fine. Great. Yeah. Okay. So, what you want to do is, I would one hundred percent. It's going to be about logistics. Right. So, you need your logistics on point for that. So, Rick. for that, you're going to need to. Rick's good at logistics, isn't he? He loves, map. he loves yeah. maps. So, so the, well, that's that sorted. Great. The next thing, really, is um, is is your nutrition. So, the two yep. things I'd say in ultramarathons, I mean, fitness is obviously there, but I would mm. say it's about third. Um, the other two things are your head. Um, and your nutrition you've got to get those two things kind of right you've got to keep fueled up mm. um otherwise you're going to start feeling really tired okay. um, i can eat y- there you go as Very long as you can it. eat Very Very are you yeah okay but when you're
1: running fine really <laughs>
3: yeah okay we need to practice that
1: <laughs> i am the official runners world beer mile champion
3: oh so, sorted, so sorted. Almost, sorted. Almost Consume, consuming on
1: the fly is absolutely not uh, there you go
3: then you're that's fine Great. You, you literally just 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 your head Then really look that's it i i'm i'll put my money on you Great. No problem.
1: Signed up. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. we be good. Yeah, Susie, what have you
2: got
3: coming up in 2019? So I have. I'm off to Costa Rica in um, when soon, uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've got a I've got a couple of foot issues. Um, from the track so i 'm not sure how far i 'll be running it's it 's a it 's a, a, it's called costa rica coastal challenge i 've done it before, nice. mm-hmm. so i 'll go back and um because i'm you know, i 'm I'm signed up and i 'm there i 'm just going to give it a go. I yeah. might not get as far yeah. <laughs> as i 'd like to so um that might be more of a more of a sort of wrecky mm-hmm. uh, fun holiday with some running and than taking part in the race i 've got badwater cape Fear uh, mm-hmm. coming up and nice. then one called a really interesting race which i 'm really interesting it 's um it's called Badwater, and Sea. Okay. And so that is part, obviously, the Badwater race. And you have to uh, run in teams. And it's two or three. And, when, and it's, you have to run together. You're not allowed right. further than 20 metres apart. Right. Um, and it's 81 miles through the desert and over a mountain. Who are you roping... So I've got um, I've got my friend Catherine. She's she's really fast. I'm a bit. She's just gone sub three for a marathon. so I'm oh, a bit worried she's going right. to. She's punchy. Yeah, I met her um <laughs> met her on a sand dune in in the marathon des Saab, So right.
5: um <laughs>
3: so she's she's going to be um my my uh, wing woman, probably uh, much faster than me. Um and um I'm currently on the lookout for a third member. I did have somebody but forty. She can't make it. Thanks a lot for it. Oh yeah.
1: Well, after this <laughs> escape from Great Britain thing, I feel like you know yes. this, this is my Season. future season yeah. Rick will do it
3: he's
4: doing
1: the North Downs 100
3: you're doing North Downs 100, North 100 North 100? yeah I am yeah why, why North Downs 100 well I love North Downs
2: Way as well it's, it's always been mm. I've always had to get a mm. sort of train out to do it and I know it's the hardest mm. one of the Centurions probably. be the last one I'll do out the four I'd say because <laughs> it's so
3: tough yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. I just I just feel like
2: if I was ever going to do it, I want to do it on a on a route that I love and I think that that will okay. help that will help. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
3: whatever. When <laughs> you really get really tired at 100 miles. you literally don't care where you are. You don't care where you are,
1: <laughs> but I love this path. No, <laughs> no. who cares? Um, yeah. So,
3: so yeah, looking forward.
2: Really looking no, forward
3: to go- that. Oh well, I, if you want to do any recs, I know the first. Yeah, uh, I literally know the first sixty miles of the North. I don't on oh the cool. Yeah, hand. yeah, yeah. I get. Look,
2: I'm, I'm quite good until Caterham.
3: Okay. and Then I'm in a. Then I'm. Oh yeah. No, that's for, that's as far country. as I know. Oh, Okay. Okay. Fine. So uh, can't have help to get, you. Have to get <laughs> <else>. <laughs> 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 um,
1: I think finally. As as you have just managed to convince your seventy year old father to to run <gasps> his first park run, I
3: can't believe this. Which is
1: which is I great. I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, is there one message that
3: you'd like to get there out there
1: about running, and what is
3: it? Uh, do, do you know what I think? Oh, one message can be a long garbled one. <laughs> I just if you if, you know. People anybody can can run and I know it sounds ridiculous. I've just been talking about some of the some of the things I've been doing which which probably sound a little bit absurd but genuinely I'd never run before the age of thirty five. My father is seventy, he's just done his very first park run. And it it's really is something for everybody anybody can, can run if they really really want to um, it is just one foot in front of the other and it's, you know, if you want to stop and walk that's absolutely fine absolutely applauded in ultramarathons it's all just about um, getting up on your feet and putting one foot in front of the other at whatever speed that is perfect right.
2: so thanks so much for coming on the Runners World Podcast it was absolutely great to have you on
3: thank you for having me brilliant alright right. see you in the North Downs <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: this is the Runners World Podcast so, it's happening. We're going to start talking about the marathon. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Yeah, All right, good. Um, and I think the the big bit of news is that uh, it's going to be Elliot versus Mo. In terms of a punchy headline, it's Elliot versus Mo at London Marathon. Yeah, it is exciting though, isn't it? I guess because Farrah has won a major marathon yeah. now.
2: So he is a genuine contender, whether he's... Really going to be duking it out with Elliot stride for stride in the final part of the marathon? I don't think you're going to. I don't think you find that many people who think that it is going to be super close.
1: But yeah, Mo's got the backing of a true running legend. Tell us more. Uh, Ron Hill believes that Mo Farah will eventually, at some point, run sub two. It's a massive, massive claim. That actually, right. he came through in a press release, um, and yeah, he he says he, he's got what it takes to do it. Just good luck to him. It's inevitable that the barrier will get broken eventually. They're, they are so close, it's going to happen.
2: Well, I think we'd both agree that at some point the two-hour marathon yeah. is going to go. I wouldn't have said Mo, for all his amazing attributes, is the front-runner to, to break that barrier.
1: No, but I, I agree. But I'd also say that if you look at Mo's road career, what's it, like mm. 15 months? 18 yeah, months? Yeah. Before like the big yeah. switch. Yeah. Dabbled. But, like, now focus. I mean, if you think Elliot's been running marathons professionally for however long and you think experience and time and Mo's getting faster and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's like a race against the clock in terms of, like, age and performance and bits and pieces. But... Yeah, that's true. You never know. That's true. And Mo's
2: been making... I I like what he's had to say about... um, kind of prospect of, of racing Elliot in London because I think he, he accepts that he's not, he's not going to be the favourite against what many people think is the, the greatest marathon runner of all time, mm. world record holder, etc. But he's he says, I'm, you know, he's not I'm not scared of, of racing Kipchoge, particularly in London. He thinks he'd have the advantage of the crowd, which of course he would. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if he's ever going to do it, if he's ever going to beat Kipchoge, you'd think that London would be the,
1: the place where it would happen. Yeah, for sure. Do you think this year though?
2: I don't, actually. I, I think Kipchoge just operates on a slightly different plane to... Others. Everyone. Yeah, I think it's a bit like kind of Killing Jornet when when he turns up and unless there's a, like, you know, an injury or, or something. It doesn't matter. He desiccated his shoulder and he still won. Yeah, so, you yeah. Know, unless... yeah. I, I just think that if um, Kipchoge turns up fit and uninjured, he is pretty much unbeatable at mm. the marathon. But I, I do think Mo, um will some. be in the top three and, and maybe we'll run him close in second. Yeah. And that would be a fine achievement. I wonder what our listeners think. Do you think that... Mo's got a genuine chance at beating Kipchoge in London 2019 or is Kipchoge just a little bit too good? Podcast at runnersworld.co.uk
1: This is the Runners World Podcast. Lots of our listeners are undoubtedly training for a spring marathon, so who better to provide some training advice than Tom Craggs? Tom is one of the UK's most in-demand running coaches and has also run a 2.45 marathon himself, so he should know how to do it. Tom, welcome to the Runners World Podcast.
5: Hi, guys. Really,
2: really uh, good to be with you. A lot of people are kind of getting stuck into the early stages of of marathon training. Maybe they, they've got a place in London. Um, what are some of the key things to get right at, at this stage of training?
5: Look, uh, I mean, I think the first thing to do um, in these early stages is to really reflect upon your own running and where it's at before you decide, well, how am I going to attack this this kind of journey that I've got over the next few weeks, because we're we're all different. Now there will be people listening to this who are perhaps literally just pulling on their running shoes for the first time over the last few weeks. And for them, their marathon journey is going to look very different to perhaps um, a runner who runs regularly or perhaps even a club runner who is already used to that kind of rhythm and structure in their training. So look at, look at you and your own running. And I guess when as coaches, When we construct a training plan, we're trying to do um, two things. We're trying to look at the demands of the event that you're training for. So in this case, you know, 26.2 miles for a lot of them on the road. Um, And then the training plan is the meeting place between those demands and then your individual kind of strengths and areas for development. So we need a bit of time to spend looking at both. Now, the marathon the demands of the marathon, there's, there's, you know, plenty written on that. Um, um, so we don't need to kind of go through that, that that heavily. What we need to look at is kind of where am I at? Um, what's sensible and feasible for me for these first six weeks of training? Mm-hmm. Now, if you're just starting out that first six weeks of training, a lot of that is just going to be about building, I hesitate to say base, because it's kind of a cliched word, it doesn't really mean much. We're trying to build up some foundations and those foundations are really um, getting the frequency of your running right that is balanced with the rest of your life to ensure you can recover. Um, and then gradual um, increases in um, in the volume of your training and in particular the volume of some of your longer running to ensure that we're then in a place by the time we get to March to hit some of the more marathon-specific stuff. Um, if you're a bit more experienced then um then it's a similar process of looking at yourself and looking at the demands of the event but it might be looking kind of having a bit of a review about how things went last year if you're the sort of person that would benefit from a block of training now focus more on developing um uh, the speed of your running or the power within your running then now's the time to do that because for all of the, the guys listening to this where your early march and, april and um, uh, through to the end of april need to be focused is on really marathon specific training so now's the chance to work on some of the components that maybe we won't get a chance to do later down the line
1: what advice would you have for anyone who's possibly sort of started off training now and they might think that they're sort of picked up a little niggle on you know how, how do you at this early stage would you cope with something like that
5: I mean, uh, I think the, the biggest driver behind making sometimes some poor choices around your marathon training is, is perhaps fear of the distance and fear of the marathon. Now, I'd say the, the first thing to get over is that fear. Yeah, we need to respect the marathon, it's a, it's a tough event. Um, But fearing it leads to us making some pretty poor choices. And one of those poor choices can be if I've picked up a niggle or even if I kind of know there's something sitting there, it's been, I've had this tightness, it's been sat there for a number of weeks, but actually that 26.2 miles I've got in my training plan that I'm going to progress by X amount each week or I'm all ready to, go, ready to go and do 15, 16, 17 miles in the long run or whatever it is that you set for yourself, the fear of the distance and feeling absolutely beholden to a training plan is is the most frequent way I see people get injured because they don't aren't prepared to adapt and aren't prepared to be flexible. Now, the way that we work with elite athletes...
4: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out
3: its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
5: We won't prescribe training over the course of 16 to 20 weeks. We will have a sense of direction, and we might have an idea about what the key elements are going to be, but... On a kind of week-by-week basis, we're prepared to adapt and we're prepared to kind of um, work with the body as it feels in that time. So if you've got a niggle, you've got loads of time before the marathon. It's time to step back. It might be that you need a bit of rest. You might need to see a physio. It might be that you can cross-train. So it might be you can jump in a pool or jump on a bike or an elliptical. Still get some great training in, but not make that injury worse. Because if we drag that injury out to march, then we are going to find that problems are going to start to occur both physically and confidence-wise. I want to ask you about the, the long
2: run, Tom, because it seems like there's lots of different marathon training programmes that prescribe a different length of long run. I think in, in the UK we're quite obsessed with this kind of 20-mile long run and then in Europe it seems to be slightly, slightly less and you've got the Hansen's method which is sort of 16-mile long run. What are, your, what are your thoughts on this and do you think it just depends on, on the athlete?
5: i'm going to be i'm going to be sort of an annoying running coach (laughs) and and of course i have to i i I write training plans for groups of people and i don't necessarily know the individuals and 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 i've done that actually with 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 runners world this time um of course when you're writing a a training plan that is going to be followed by a lot of people you're trying to make the best judgment you can about where somebody might be at that given time but but When we do that, we do that on the basis that the athlete is basically coaching themselves and they're prepared to adapt and manipulate that training plan to work for them. Because the honest truth is that the only right answer for how what your key long run should look like is what I said before is the balance between your individual physiology and psychology and the demands of the event that you're training for, in this case the marathon, but whether that marathon's London or whether it's Brighton or whether it's a trail marathon that has different components to it, they, they all need to be reflected in there. Now, I I guess the one I'm not keen on rules and I'm not keen on systems particularly um, and applying generic systems to individual people but I guess there are a few things from a rule perspective that is, is reasonably common sense. If you go into a marathon or I would rather have you going into a marathon 10%, 15%, even 20% under-trained than 1% over-trained every time and, and, and I think it goes back to, again, the psychology side. The fear of the marathon means that people want to prove to themselves they are already fit enough to complete the marathon, already fit enough to run the time that they want to run beforehand. And you won't be ready. You should not be physiologically or psychologically ready to run a marathon until marathon day itself. And the, and the, the problem is by, by kind of prodding away at that key long run and making putting so much emphasis on that, and perhaps for some people dragging it out too fast or too long, just to prove to yourself you're ready that can actually be the thing that then scuppers you on race day so for me for most people a longest long run of three hours to three hours 15 um is is absolutely plenty enough And and the scary thing for some people is if you're perhaps not quite as quick and you're looking to run a marathon in a slower time or just get round you might not get to 20 miles in your training and And that takes a lot of trust and a lot of confidence that that is okay. But then it comes back again to thinking, what am I doing here? I am not trying to prove to myself in advance I'm ready. I'm trying to just improve my fitness. Um, And my readiness will also be measured by how energised and um, recovered I am on race day.
1: Yeah, I think that's great advice, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that, again, Rick mentioned some sort of fairly old school approaches, and I think that a sort of... A newer idea that perhaps athletes, elites, have probably been doing for for years, but the, the recreational runner didn't really is, is is the importance of strength and conditioning in in a training regime. And, and and how how much do you think, or how much would you tell someone to incorporate that into into their their training regime?
5: I I, I think it's critical, really. I mean, if you if you stand at sort of mile twenty one, twenty two in a marathon, um, the, the, where you will notice the difference between people who are running well and those people who are struggling, you're not hearing their breathing rates. You're not seeing their heart and lungs work. You're not looking for that. What is obvious where it becomes obvious is in somebody's posture um, and in, in, in somebody's how efficiently their body's moving and that, what their leg speed and their leg turnover looks like and all of those things. And those things are fundamentally, um, um, affected by your strength and conditioning so for me it's, it's critical and I think regardless of whether you've had got an injury history or not regardless of whether you're very strong in a gym or not k- k- keeping a regular um, bit of strength and conditioning in there a couple of times a week and for some people that might be something as really simple as a basic core routine or a pilates class or something that kind of keeps you focused on um your your body posture and your and your core conditioning for some people it might involve um, some more specific conditioning and that be could be because you've got an injury that keeps occurring in the same area so physios advise some specific exercises to work on or it might be that actually you know you you're the sort of person who wants to develop a bit more Overall strength or, or 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 power, and therefore you might get in a gym and do some squats or or deadlifts or some more running-specific work. So, but but I'd say it's crucial for everybody. What I'm saying is, you don't necessarily have to go and beast yourself in the gym in order to see in your really. you know, condition.
1: <laughs> Rick is currently beasting himself in the gym. Aren't you, Rick? <laughs>
5: yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm I, getting I mean, gigantic, I, Tom. Yeah, I, I think I think we, we all we Rick has a way of making every other male feel very insecure. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's ripped and. <laughs> and um, we all know it so, um, <laughs> I, I, I think the, the other aspect of the conditioning and I, I think this is one which is, is often not talked about but is really important is the mar- marathon's can be you can get very stuck into just going out and pulling on your running shoes and going out the door and thinking it's only about your heart and lungs. And it can, to be honest, for some people, a lot of us absolutely love running, and I would choose to run twice a day every day of my life if I could, um, if my body would hold up to it. But, but the truth is, a lot of people can find running sometimes, believe it or not, a little bit boring and having <laughs> a bit of stimulus in there, and something that's a bit. Different. I know it's shocking thing to say, isn't it? but something having a bit different in there, you know, something that's psychologically because ultimately there will be a five-hour, six-hour plus marathon runner out there that is better, stronger, and more capable in the gym than I am, you know, and I think having those aspects that kind of help you build confidence and show that you are, um, you're progressing not just your heart and lungs, but your whole body, and there are aspects of your training that add stimulus and interest in there for you, that's really important, and that's as important as what's going on physically.
2: We got the chance to Asked some questions uh, to Mo Farah l- last year, and one of the things that came out of that was that he, you know, he's running say 130 miles a week, but actually only one of those runs was on was on uh, pavement, and the rest were on a variety of different surfaces. And, and I think a lot of elites seem to um, be able to do that. It's harder for amateurs, but would you recommend people running on softer surfaces for the marathon if they can?
5: I, I absolutely would. I mean, there needs to be a combination of both because, obviously, you know, ultimately the marathon for most people is going to be on, run on the roads. Obviously, your, your body needs to get used to that that impact because when you run on the roads, there is a different kind of plyometric response so your 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 tendons are doing something a little bit different and in fact sometimes running on roads and running on firm services is actually very good for your kind of neuromuscular system it's really good for getting your legs feeling poppy and moving quickly so i wouldn't necessarily um rule out running running on the roads um but i would recommend and a lot i'd say most people don't achieve this through just practical for practical reasons but if you could i'd have runners run at least 60 to 70 percent of their running off-road um um, I, and, and I know there'll be people listening to this to think that that is just not practically possible for me because of where I live or, you know, I can't get to a park and a trail. And, and that's, that's real life, you know, and those practicalities are, that can't be helped, obviously you still get out on train. Um, but for those that can, it's really good in a number of areas. Obviously, it reduces the impact a direct impact of, of, of actually hitting the ground. It can build additional strength because there's little muscles around your ankles and those kind of muscles that provide stability. Um, we make progressions there. It means your foot's not moving in exactly the same way each time it hits the ground as it will do on tarmac. It's good for your the mental side of your training because it often means you're, you're running in, in nicer environments to keep you more relaxed, you're not running around cars, you're not breathing in fumes. Um, but it, 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 it's, it's also because your um you, it, it takes you away or it should take you away from just having a pure focus on splits and paces because when you get off road a lot of those don't really mean anything quite in quite the same way so you're not staring down at your, your wrist the whole time going oh god i you know i, I should be running there so i, I coach um uh, a lad who a, a lot of listeners will know called robbie Breton, who ran um uh, sub 230 for the marathon in valencia robbie lives yeah. in um Chamonix, so the majority of his training is done off-road, but not only is done off-road, it's done off-road up and down on mountain trails. And his yeah. paces are, you know, a lot of his runs, he will come back averaging 10 to 11-minute miles. And this is a guy trying to run sort of 5.30, 5.40 miling for the marathon. And, and and having that kind of just taking your brain off, always judging yourself on the pace of each run is really good as well. So it has loads of benefits. Uh, and I, I'd strongly recommend it if you can.
1: Yeah. Well, we've been we've been finding the grassy edge edges in the park, haven't we? Yeah, we've, yeah exactly. we took this on board, and we've been straying into the off, to, well, off the path when we ever we go it, around Hyde yeah. Park. Just to just isn't to...
5: it funny? You can you can run in Hyde Park, you can run in Victoria Park, you can go to Richmond Park, and there are these beautiful trails, and they're easy to run on. You know? Like they're, yeah, yeah. they're they're quite firm, hard packed trails, and yet people are still running around on the tarmac. <laughs> 100%, you know? so, yeah. I think a lot of people think I don't have the option, and <laughs> sometimes you do. Just I need to be creative about a couple it. Feet to and the right. of actually, yeah, exactly. Yay, exactly. Actually, look, I've got my long run, and I can't do it all off road. But I could run to the park and spend, you know, a third of my run running off road, mm. and the other yeah. two thirds on road. Well, that's 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 better than not doing any for sure.
2: Yeah. I'll ask you, Tom. My um, my brother-in-law is is doing the London Marathon. I think he's quite a good. Um, sort of case study because he hasn't done a marathon before and he hasn't really got a clue as to what time he'll run so he kind of picked a number slightly out of the air like a lot of people says you know i want to run sub four um but his potential is a bit of a mystery i think to him so actually as he goes through his training or as someone like that went through your training what what are some of the indications that you may have got it you know your target might be either overly ambitious or um or overly cautious and what do you do mm.
5: it, it- it's um, it's always a really interesting question. It's one I get asked a lot. Obviously, if, you, if you're if charity runners in particular, or those people starting out and doing their first marathon, they may only do one, for example. Mm-hmm. How do you determine? And obviously, it's a key skill to have on race day is to, is to know how fast you're going to go off. So we need to get a sense of that. The, the, the truth is, though, a lot of the reason why people pick target times is because setting yourself a target is really key for... On the, for the psychological side of your training. So if, you're, if you set yourself a goal, even if you think it's, it's overly ambitious, it's something that's going to kind of drive you forward. Um, the, the, the main problem that I see is that actually most people set themselves goals that are actually probably not ambitious enough yeah you know yeah. and I think a lot people a lot of people underestimate what they're capable of and underestimate what you can achieve in 10 12 14 16 weeks worth of training so the, the, again the annoying coaching answer to your question is that is that your training pace should emerge as a result of the process of doing your training as opposed to directing your training yeah if that makes yeah sense. Completely, because otherwise, how do you know? I mean, sure, if you run marathons before and you've done, and you're more advanced, and you're going to go and do physiological testing, and we kind of we've got we've got this range of data that we can we can rely upon to kind of make informed judgments about the pace. That's different, but but for most people, they're not going to have that. They're not going to have access to that kind of sports science. And even going through rough calculations, and the one you'll hear a lot is "Go go and run yourself a half marathon. Go and run it. Go and run it hard. You know, take your half marathon time, double it, and add ten to twenty minutes. Um, well, okay, so that that's a broad rule of thumb. It's not massively accurate. But it's a broad rule of thumb, but of course, what that relies upon is that you ran the half marathon at a genuine pace, you know, and that you ran a half marathon as, as well as you probably could, and that and that's not an easy skill even for somebody yeah. who's super experienced. So I think my my sense is you, you, what the answer in terms of what what it feels like to run a marathon is very dependent on how fast you're going to run it so you get a broad idea if you're mm-hmm. going to run sub three hours for the marathon which some people do in the first marathons yeah. um um uh not not really knowing what they're going to do in fact that's, that's basically what i did or actually a minute outside three hours and and the the, the issue is not that that I didn't have a conception of pace. The issue was that I didn't have a conception of the effort that I was supposed to be putting in. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to be running three hours, you know, that that's not actually easy. <laughs> not mm-hmm. easy. It might feel easy for the first half, but the second half, you're going to be, you're certainly going to be breathing and you're going to be working, yeah. you're going to be working a bit. And you're actually going to be working probably a slightly higher percentage of your maximum heart rate than somebody would be running five hours you know because they're out for longer you can't work at the same intensity if you're going out for a bit longer yeah. so if you're running five hours four and a half five hours six hours your your running needs to feel conversational pace and and actually all and, and the process of training your marathon effort is conversational pace running and actually does it really matter whether it's kind of 45 pace or 515 pace in the early weeks no and, and you just have to trust that as you move through your training, you will start to get a real sense of your rate of perceived exertion. You really will get a sense of, okay, so this is the difference between me running at a fully conversational pace, and this is when I'm kind of running a steady pace. Yeah. And the reality is, if I do too much of that steady running too early in a marathon, it's going to hurt me. So, yeah. so getting a sense of the perceived exertion is is, is a real skill, and it's, and it's one that kind of emerges for your training. And I, I know that's not necessarily helpful because people want to kind of know there's this definite test that will tell me what my marathon pace will be. And, mm-hmm. and the truth is there isn't. It, 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 is, it, is, uh, it is a process of, of, yeah, heart rate monitors and stuff like that can help. For most people, they're going to be somewhere between kind of 65 and 80% of the maximum heart rate um, within a marathon. Um, but, you know, really, because the psychology of your running kind of governs and, and plays a role in your own sense of perceived exertion, um, you, you, you do need to kind of let this emerge. And when you get to the key weeks of training, if you're doing stuff like, okay, my key long run might be, say, three hours. I'm going to run the first couple of hours easy. And then I'm going to try and push the pace on for the last hour. If you're able to do that, you will get a broad sense in that last hour of what kind of paces you can push on to. And I think that would give you a, reasonably, a reasonable idea. It might not give you a pace per mile exactly, but I wouldn't recommend pacing a marathon like that anyway. Um, so, yeah.
1: I think the one final big, big debate that we need to have here is that we've been talking about the recently announced news that Elliot Kipchoge is running London, so it will be Mo versus Elliot. Yeah. Who's your money on? <laughs>
5: This is difficult, isn't it? Because because as, as, as a coach, um, you as, as a British coach, you know, I'm going to kind of say patri- patriotic, kind of you know, fervour behind your run. Look, I um, I think I've I had to be amazed. I, I I'm surprised. I've been surprised about how well Mo ran his last marathon. Mm. And that you know, Mo is a fabulous athlete, a really fabulous athlete. But the reason why I say that is because probably. There's been very few athletes, if any, that have had the range that, that Mo has had, from kind of 1,500 metres right up to the marathon. And I was surprised about how, how quickly he ran his last marathon. And, and the tree says... Um, if Mo is there, I mean, if you're Elliot and Mo is there with you with 5k to go, you're going to start to get worried, aren't you? I mean, because we know we know his ability to inject paces. His whole career has been based upon his ability to close races like nobody else. I, I I have massive. I mean, I, I I've um, I've been fortunate to, to briefly meet meet both, and they're both. You can't get to that level. Um, it, it, Without having incredible mental focus and discipline yeah. in your training. I, Elliot, though, and, and, and a lot of people will say this, but Elliot, there's something about him and something about his psychology and the kind of serenity in which he, he, he approaches the marathon that is, for me, makes him the most, probably the most impressive male distance athlete I've, I've ever come across, and particularly at the marathon. Because a marathon is is such a psychological kind of process or a psychobiological process, so it kind of that combination between your mind and your physical self. I, I, if because I hate taking an offence. If I if I had <laughs> to put money on it now, I put money on Elliot. There yeah. we
6: go.
5: There we go. And and I and and I'm totally totally will shout for Mo all day long <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I so
1: all yeah. yeah I think we all will I think we'll hope 100%. that the, the, the buoyancy of the crowd will, yeah, we'll, exactly. will push him exactly. on um, Tom thank you so much for joining us that was incredible I feel already inspired to, to sign up to things but without a set time in mind <laughs> right <Trust. laughs> let, you, let your training, let your training govern us. trust that. the process perfect absolutely thank, Tom thank you so much indeed
5: cheers
1: this is the Runner's World podcast.
2: So, as some listeners may know, last year Runner's World organized a relay event to the highest point in each of the London boroughs. Uh, we completed the 150-mile route in 22 hours 35 minutes and 36 seconds. And this year, we're attempting to run the M25. Oh. Not the actual M25, man. that would be very dangerous, but um the London Loop, which is called the M25 for walkers, and despite that name, it's actually a very scenic route. Yeah. yeah. Um We've got an amazing team lined up. So we've got the likes of uh, Richard Asquith, author of uh, Feet in the Clouds, Paul Stinton Hewitt, the founder of Parkrun, is joining us. And exactly. uh, Yeah, I think it's all in the kind of spirit of trying to have an adventure right where you are rather than feeling like you have to go, you know, to far-flung places to have that kind of time.
1: Also, the key fact to this adventure yeah. is that you didn't have to draw the maps. Exactly. Like last time. <laughs> yeah, Transport These... for London have got the map, so that's that's... Saved me, honestly, about a month <laughs> of my life. Right, good. So there you go. Easy adventure for everyone to do. This one is, is easily um, replicated. It's um, it's a signposted route, officially. But right. having wrecked some of it, I'll tell you
2: what, some of these signposts, Ben...
1: Non-existent? They've been turned the wrong way. Fantastic. They're non-existent. I mean, that sounds like juvenile jinx, <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. I jinx. Yeah. So it's... It may be very hard
2: to complete it within 24 hours, which is, of course, the aim.
1: Right. Um, so, how, so the last one was broken in to, from point to point, as in like from the highest point to highest point. So some yeah. people ran sections that were nine miles, some people ran sections that were half a mile. Yeah. How are you breaking it down this time? Trying to break it down in as close to sort of
2: 10-mile segments as possible. So there are, there are various maps that, that do um, various length segments, but the idea is that people run in twos or threes or fours and run about 10 miles and then hand over the baton, which would probably be an iPhone. The old GPS phone. GPS phone. Great. Generic um, phone. Yeah. And the idea is that people will be able to, to follow it on, on Strava. So uh, you, can, you can follow our progress or lack of progress, if you like. Um, very interested to know if people are doing their own kind of DIY adventures. Because there are loads out there. And we've had a few people, a few letters in. But if any listeners are planning any similar types of runs, mm. they should let us know. Definitely. Yeah. Podcast at uk. <laughs> This is the Runner's World Podcast. Planning a running year is a bit like running a marathon. You have to set off at the right pace or you end up knackered before the end. Runner's World gear and race editor Kerry McCarthy has learned this lesson the hard way and is now in the studio to share his hard-won wisdom with you. Kerry, welcome back to the podcast. Good afternoon. Um, So come on, what should we runners consider when planning our year?
6: I always think that when you're planning what you want to get out of your running year... It's kind of a little bit like if you're running your own business. To be honest, um, you know, obviously in business you're looking for a profit margin. The difference is with you running, you're looking for a PB, and you've got to think about what all the things that you need to do and not do to achieve that goal. Mm. And I recently read something by um, Warren Buffett, you know, the Sage of Omaha, like one of the world's richest men, yeah. and he was giving advice on you know how to how to run a company, and he said make a list of all the things that you on your to-do list that you think you should do, that we all do every day. Yeah. Um, think of everything you possibly can, then draw a line underneath the top four and ditch everything else on the list. Even though you think it's important, he was like, right. don't bother with those. The top four things that you've put down are the things that are really important to you. And I think it's the same when you're planning your year. What's What actually do you want to get out of it? Is it 5K PB? Mm. Is it running your first half marathon? Yeah. And then think towards it and towards that and don't get distracted by kind of all these other, you know, mates going, come and do this or don't bother with that. Just yeah. like yeah, stick to your guns.
1: I also think that there's that thing that I think if someone trains for a marathon and there's kind of like this notion that at the same time they might be able to squeeze in doing a 5K PB or there's like because you're going to get fit. Mm. And you will get fit for sure if you're doing it. But I think that that kind of becomes a bit of a battle of like, as you say battle of targets like yeah exactly. it yeah. is it's possible
6: it is possible to you know if you're one of these people who's like i run different distances and i want to sort of max out on all of them this year yeah. it is possible to do that but you have to you know get involved in periodization and all sorts of complicated yeah. sounding <laughs> techniques <laughs> for running which is which basically just means building a base first getting your endurance up and then adding the kind of the speed on top yeah. later and it does mean planning it so that you will do the right race at the right time for where you are, rather than, as you say, Ben just kind of like oh i 'll just whack in a ten k as part of my marathon training and see if I can run forty five seconds a mile faster than i 've done for two years
5: <laughs>
6: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um, so as as a sage you know the man of, with all the knowledge, can you recall a time in your running life when the planning has gone wrong
6: so in two thousand and twelve i did, I spent a year with a bunch of friends um, raising money for a charity. And we called our, our endeavours the Twelve and Twelve, um, because we were each going to do one physical challenge a month for the year of twenty twelve. Yeah. And you could choose anything you wanted, and we had you know people on the team doing like bog snorkeling, triathlons, or some actually some of them who wanted to get involved but weren't very sporty would then do like cake baking stuff or whatever. But me working at one as well, I was like, well, obviously a large part of it has to be running, mm-hmm. and I ended up doing seventeen marathons in that year. God. Oh. And the mistake that I made
1: was doing seventeen miles. <laughs>
6: yeah, was, yeah I was getting involved with the bloody thing in the first place. No, it was awesome, um, but I didn't plan it correctly. And I started off January. I think I did the Disney marath- Disneyland marathon, which was awesome. Um, but the big error was saving the big uh, kind of effort till the end. And in December, um, myself and three members of the crew decided that we were going to finish off this charity Mm -hmm. thing with 12 marathons on 12 consecutive days Uh, and I know we've had lots of people on the podcast we've got Susie Chan on this one here we go yeah and (laughs) and but to the likes of us oh, mortals man. that was quite a big deal 100%, yeah. and we you know we had to we, we kind of got a support crew together and vans and you know following us we had to plan we went from Harrogate outside the Cenotaph in Harrogate Town Centre mm. and finished outside Buckingham Palace and we had to plan our routes and every day we had laminated maps and we would each run at our own pace mm. But I think by the time I got to the to December, I was we were all pretty much on our last legs anyway, and people were just kind of you know they'd had like stress fractures and God knows what else. And yeah. then in hindsight, I would have um, put the big one in the middle of the year and then maybe tapered a bit towards the end.
1: Were there repercussions? Were you injured? Did this cause you great difficulty? like or was, was you just very very tired by the end of all this?
6: Just very very tired. It was actually it was quite interesting actually because during those twelve marathons, started off thought right i'll do about five hours every day so the first marathon was 455 mm. then i got slower and slower and slower and day five was the worst I was running through i think leicester city center and it was bucketing down and i was running down this high street mm. and i had to go into a, a subway and buy myself a cup of tea and compose myself <laughs> it. it took me seven hours 45 to do that marathon
4: wow.
6: um but then the next day i went two hours quicker and i started getting faster and faster and faster because yeah. your body just goes all oh, right okay we're, we're doing, doing this now. we're doing this right yeah, yeah. um so it was actually okay during the end, but then once the challenge was finished, I just completely crashed. Yeah. Like, fortunately it was Christmas, so people were just kind of like bringing me turkey sandwiches on the sofa. But <laughs> January and February, I just did like nothing.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Do you think there are what are some of the considerations people should take into account when sort of choosing races during the year?
6: I think it depends on who you are. I think budget is definitely a concern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, races are getting more and more expensive. And I think you should you should in your head do a cost benefit analysis of this is a sexy sounding race or it's unusual or it's something I've not done before but mm. is it close enough to what I want to do and can I afford it? There's no point bankrupting yourself for something that's going to be ultimately disappointing. I think you should this sounds like it's a slight contradiction to that, but it's it's not really I think you should also try and kind of introduce a bit of fear into your into your plans. Mm. Don't at the same time don't stick to what you know if you run on the road try something on trail is it in a cool location which of your friends are going to be around to do this with you you know part a large part of running is kind of making memories and you know is it going to be something that sticks long in the memory but most of all always be thinking why am i doing this that that can save you from a lot of pain just that one that one question Mm -hmm. it's a kind of like it's a general sense check i mean obviously it's it's pretty self-evident that if you overdo it physically you're physically going to get injured but I think people downplay the, the the extent to which they can mentally get affected by it. And that might not be some kind of like big, you know, dramatic mental collapse, mm. although it can certainly lead to that if you overdo it physically, you know, you can mess up your adrenals and there's a whole world of pain there. But, you know, you don't want to lose your mojo. This is ultimately, this is something that we do for fun, that we love. Yeah. Yeah. Assume that anyone listening to this really loves running because yeah. the listeners are running podcasts. And so the last thing you want is to get up and go, oh my god another, I, another run another event i just i just can't be bothered you yeah. want to get up and go i'm so excited because i get to do this
2: do you think carrie and you're someone who's who's done kind of swimming events recently and like ben obviously has done triathlons mm. what do you think about putting some non-running specific events in your calendar just for variety
6: yeah perfect yeah the only reason not to do that again is 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 if you know through fear i guess Mm. i mean so yeah last year i did my first 5k open water swim i was a terrible swimmer i still am a terrible (laughs) swimmer but the sense of pride i got through you know sort of kind of thrashing around in the water to the to the end of the 5k Mm. and then going i've just swum across the sea yeah let's make a
1: point of this this was not just any old open water 5k this was between caribbean islands
6: yeah, okay, you didn't have to mention that. <laughs> I think I
2: did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the sacrifices you've made. No, but it's a long old
2: poke that came, yeah, but isn't it? But I mean, open, swimming, but yeah. I'm
1: talking sea swim. It's yeah, not, yeah. I'm not talking about five water. This is my point being. It that, wasn't is, that, no, that is some yeah. open, open water. Yeah, you
6: know, it was kind of, yeah, it was the Caribbean, and it was it was delightfully warm and all that. But, you know, there are points where you're getting buffeted by waves and you're getting a load of seaweed in the face and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. It, to be honest, it had been a long time since I'd felt that nervous, you know, working where we do, we get, you know, we get used to doing races all the time. I'm never nervous about a running race, no matter what it is, because I know I've got the experience. But when I stood on the beach ready to do that swim, it was actually quite, kind of masochistically, it was quite a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. And similarly, when I then used that swimming later on in the summer to go and do my first triathlon, I was out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and it kind of completely regenerated me, re-energized me for, for what was to come because I wasn't like, Oh, same old, Here we same go old. Again, yeah, again, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. Have you got anything planned in, in for 2019, Kerry? Have you got, well, have you got your, are you kind your, of putting your, together a, taking a, a wish list, list or?
6: Yeah, actually, this is, um, talking about this now is good timing because I only just sort of finished putting together the plan in the next, in the previous few days. Um, so I've got Tokyo Marathon in uh, about six weeks' time.
1: Great. Is that, is that, the, is this you getting your majors?
6: Yes. So, uh, RW editor Andy Dixon and I will be going out there, and it'll be our final uh, of the six marathon majors. Yeah. Uh, So that'll be good. Yeah. And then I'm doing the Edinburgh Marathon, which I've done before, but I'll be doing that again at the end of May, and that's one at which I want to um, try and get a time. Yeah. Uh, In June, I am doing... um, a trail race in the Tyrol region of the Austrian Alps called the and Ultra K. Ooh, I'm doing the kind of, yeah, it's, you know, a couple of thousand metres above sea cash. level. and Yeah, but I'm doing the baby one. You can do, I think it's like 14K, 30K or 50K, and I'm right. doing the 14K. Yeah. But I'm using that as a basis to then go another, do another trail race in Sweden called Ladingaloppet
1: of course <laughs> which i had to write down in front I, of me I, I, I genuinely believe i've built that it's um, the cupboard in my bedroom
6: yeah uh that's 30k up in the swedish mountains somewhere and then possibly that my final thing having built having kind of like trying to build my stamina and fitness and core strength all year is possibly to do my first half ironman uh, in marrakesh in october
2: yeah Oh,
1: cash as well.
2: But that so. is a great variety of stuff, Kerry, isn't it? Yeah. That is a great variety of stuff. Lots of different challenges, different locations. And I'm
6: scared about a couple of them, which yeah. is kind of how I knew I should really kind do of it. do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. I think similarly with this Escape escape Britain. Escape from Great Britain. Escape from Great Britain. From
6: great Britain. Yeah, We're still it's, in
1: Great Britain. That's true. But, yeah, but it has that fear factor, doesn't it? it has
2: 100%. It kind of terrifies me. Thing. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. Well, okay, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. No worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's get you on again soon. But I think that's really interesting advice. And uh, hopefully our listeners will get a will get, you know, better should... idea about how to plan a year. I think we should get
1: race updates. So we, now we know what you're doing, you should come in and tell us how each one goes. the fear factor we need to find how terrifying each one was.
6: Can we just agree that if you don't hear any more about a particular race that I've mentioned, it was just a complete disaster? Yeah, of Absolutely. course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. Okay.
1: The unwritten rule is that you just don't hear about it. It means it's not happened yeah. or it's gone badly. But if
6: I have to be, like, wrestled out of the recording studio, <laughs> st- still <laughs> witching on. <laughs> it means I nailed it. I yeah. PB. It's a PB. <laughs> yeah.
2: Cool. Thanks again, Kerry. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Right.
1: Thanks. For more from Runner's World, head to runnersworld.co.uk. Yeah, just one, one second. Sorry, it's just me getting some water.
2: La-la-la, Do la, you singing
1: again?
0: Sounds a bit like Carpenter's, doesn't it? La 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 la
1: la 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 So that brings us to the end of this month's Runner's World podcast. I want to say a big thank you to our guests Susie Chan, Tom Craggs and Kerry McCarthy and to Scrumble Studios in Soho where this was recorded.
2: For more from Runner's World, why not visit our website runnersworld.co.uk where you'll find more news, reviews and interviews from across the running
1: world. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a rating. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next month. The Runner's World Podcast was recorded at Scramble Studios, Soho.
4: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well.